which of the top three quarterbacks best fit the Falcons offense? And is there a fourth quarterback that could jump into the mix with the eighth overall selection? You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. Welcome back to another illustrious episode of the Locked on Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked on Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. So if you don't know me, I'm your very humble host, Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for far too long at Falcfans.com, RIP. You may also know me as Sirius Black, as Mr. Drew, as Mr. AKA. And I thank each and every one of you that is an everydayer of this podcast that makes this illustrious podcast your first listen or first watch of the day. And if you want to become an everydayer, all you got to do is subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcast. So I'm excited to jump into the conversation with our guest today, Trevor Sikama. It's all about 2024 NFL draft fits for the Atlanta Falcons. We're talking quarterbacks, wide receivers, edge rushers, D tackles, DBs, all of it. So let's jump right in and get that conversation with Trevor Sikama started right now. All right, everyone, you are back with another illustrious guest. He is Trevor Sikama, the co-host of the NFL Stock Exchange. He covers the NFL and the NFL draft for pro football focus. And we are recording this episode on Valentine's Day. And it's the perfect day to record this type of episode because today we're talking about building connections, right? Finding that perfect person for the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, we'll pick Trevor's brain on some of those things, particularly in the early rounds, because, you know, ain't nobody got time for fourth and fifth round picks at this point in the cycle. But, uh, Trevor, Falcons have a new coaching staff with Raheem Morris. You know, they hire a new offensive coordinator, Zach Robinson. And we don't quite know exactly what Zach Robinson's scheme is going to look like, given that this is his first time calling plays uh, in the NFL. But we're just sort of assuming it's going to be Sean McVay light uh, in the sense. And that gets us to what is the big uh issue need for the Atlanta Falcons, which is their quarterback position. Mm -hmm. And I'm just curious when you look at the top three or four quarterbacks uh, in this draft, do you sort of see one as a great fit for the Atlanta Falcons? I know you and Connor over at the NFL stock exchange are probably going to do some updated quarterback rankings uh, ahead of the pod uh, ahead of the combine on your podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, maybe maybe we'll get a little sneak preview on today's lockdown file. No, I think that you know all three quarterbacks who are regarded as these guys who could go in the top ten, right? Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels. It's, it seems simple, simple to say, but I think all of them would work for the Falcons, and they're all a little bit different. But the most important part is getting a talented quarterback in there. So you know, we think about Sean McVay and 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 Zach Robinson. Like, I think it's going to be. A lot of play action stuff, some rollout stuff if you have that ability. But like, okay, that to me maybe leans more towards Caleb Williams or Drake May. But if you have a chance to pick a guy like Jane Daniels, it's not like you're not going to do it, right? It's not that he can't operate from a, a heavy play action system. Or in fact, I think that with his legs that he enhances a lot of the rushing threats that you have. And, you know, I think that people kind of focus on maybe the structures of those types of McVay tree offenses. But in reality, 
the philosophy is simply to put as many threats on the defense as you possibly can. And a lot of times you incorporate play action because it forces you to think about the run game, right? Even though you're going to pass all along. And you know, when McVay was coming coming up as a first time head coach with the Rams, when they went on that early Super Bowl run um, where they faced the Patriots, it was a lot of condensed formation stuff. And those condensed formations made it uh, different types of threats that the defense could see. Again, that leaned into like, okay, you have so many things that you have to defend in a single play. Jaden Daniels may not be as like prototypical from a rollout or a play action passing offense as maybe the other two guys, but he in his nature as a dual threat quarterback and the best dual threat quarterback puts a lot of stress on defenses. So I know that the Falcons are sitting there at eight and I believe that they would absolutely have to trade up to within the top five to get one of these three guys. And so you're, you're going to have to move up no matter what. But I think all of them are viable options, which is good for you. It's not like, oh, only Caleb Williams would matter for this team. So if he goes number one, then trading up for a quarterback's off the table. I think that Arthur Blank, Terry Fontenot, um, Raheem Morris, obviously being in the brain trust there in the decision-making group as well, they're going to be on the phones the entire time. And I think they're probably already on the phones now, right? Like we're about to head into combine week. A lot of deals get done during combine week, if you will, or at least the groundwork gets set. These teams get to meet with each other. They get to go out to dinner with it with, with guys, you know, to grab a couple of drinks with guys. And this is where the conversation starts of trading up or trading down and things like that. So they're go- the Falcons are going to be one of the busiest teams in the NFL when it comes to figuring out not just who they have on their draft board, but how they can move up. And I think all three of these quarterbacks are options for them. Yeah. Um, and we've talked a lot on Lockdown Falcons about, you know, the potential of moving up in the draft. And I think that's the ideal scenario for the Falcons to get one of, of these three guys at the top of the draft. But I, I'm curious at this point in time, um, do you feel like by the time we get to the April, are we going to be talking about a fourth quarterback that may be in the mix that if you don't get that opportunity to trade up, you, I guess, quote unquote, settle for whoever's QB four in this draft. And I'm just curious to pick your brain on do you feel like whether it's J.J. McCarthy of Michigan, Bo Nix of Oregon, Michael Penix Jr. of Washington or somebody else, that there's going to be that guy that, you know, someone like the Atlanta Falcons or another team picking after them might look at as, hey, this is a top 10, top 15 talent as well. Yeah, it kind of seems like McCarthy's trending in that direction, right? And and I just kind of went over his final film evals for the PFF draft guide in the first edition, and that's going to be coming out in a couple of weeks. And so, you know, obviously I've, I've watched a lot of these guys throughout the season. I'm looking at some of their advanced data to set up the PFF big board, to set up the mock draft machine that we have over at PFF.com. But, you know, when I get to do the draft guide, it is a immersion into their entire scouting report. It, it's their background. It's a lot more uh, advanced data that I get my hands on after the season is over with. You go back and you watch a handful more games from film as well. So, I liked McCarthy a lot more than I thought that I was going to. I, you know, when I looked at that Michigan offense, especially when I looked at McCarthy this past summer, I saw a guy who was still a good ways away from being an NFL caliber quarterback. Now he had the arm strength, right? He, he's got some good zip on his passes. You like what he can do out of structure. He's a really nice uh, quarterback when it comes to like scrambling and rollouts and, Things like that comes from a pro style offense. So there's a lot of play action stuff that you can incorporate with him because he's operated under center. So he's got that experience. Not all of these guys do, but last 2022, I should say the way that he felt the pocket, 
Uh, the way that he went through progressions just was slow. How he saw the field post-snap, how he saw the field pre-snap, wasn't really recognizing a lot of these things pre-snap. And it just felt like the the intangibles of playing the quarterback position, he was so far away from being an NFL caliber quarterback. Now, he got better in a lot of those areas, almost all of those areas in 2023. Now, he still wasn't this elite type of takeover player, but he's really young, too. He's only a true junior. And so if he made a really nice leap from 2022 to 2023, I think teams are going to look at that and say the arrow is pointing up. We can expect him to continue to get better and better. And so I wonder if he is going to be on the table within that top 10 when it's all said and done, because the more that we are hearing from people who are really plugged into the league, the more it sounds like McCarthy is not quite in that first tier with those top three guys, but can be a top 12, top 10 pick because of how many QB needy teams there are going to likely be going into the draft. And Atlanta might be one of them. Yep. So appreciate that insight into the quarterback position, uh, Trevor. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about the non-quarterbacks that the Falcons could be uh, looking at with that eighth overall selection as we continue here with Trevor Sikama of PFF. So this next segment is brought to us by our sponsor, BetterHelp. And sometimes we all have things that we need to get off our chest, whether they get us excited or sad. You know, Trevor's very excited about a certain Iowa defensive back that he wants to share with you, but maybe there's issues that you guys are dealing with in your daily life. And therapy is a great place for you to let it out especially to someone who's unbiased. It can be different for everyone. And most of us have bigger problems than what our favorite sports team is doing or who they're going to draft. And it's important to get those things off your chest every once in a while. So if you're thinking of starting BetterHelp, I, or if you're thinking of starting therapy, I recommend giving BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on and you'll get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. So continuing today's Locked On Falcons here with Trevor Sikama of Pro Football Focus, as well as the NFL Stock Exchange podcast, a great show. Uh, he and Connor Rogers do great work there. I always crack up uh, at some of the random things, tangents that you guys go on uh, on that <laughs> podcast. But, you know, we try, try not to go on too many tangents on today's episode. And let's continue to talk about the Falcons first round pick. And there, there's certainly a scenario where the Falcons don't wait till the draft to address their quarterback position. Maybe they mm -hmm. go after Kirk Cousins. Maybe they go after Justin Fields, two players that we've talked a lot about as potential options for the Falcons this past week on Locked on Falcons. Uh, and, and maybe that prompts them to wait on a quarterback, maybe later in the draft. Um, and that leaves the door open to go non-quarterback in round one. And I'm curious, what are some players that you're looking at uh, at the top of this draft you know, I know a lot of people are sort of stacking wide receivers at that point in the draft. There are a couple mm -hmm. of pass rushers as well, offensive linemen. Um, who are some of the guys that you're looking at that the Falcons could target at eight uh, if they don't go quarterback there? Yeah, when I go through my scenarios for the Falcons, there's five non-quarterbacks that I think can be options for them if they stay at number eight. Two of them are wide receivers, Malik Neighbors from LSU and Romo Dunze, the wide receiver from Washington. I think that all, both of those guys are top 10 caliber receivers. I think that they can be wide receiver ones at the next level, and I think that they complement what the team already has in Drake London and Kyle Pitts, and if you want to throw Bijan Robinson in there, you can as well. I think they complement all of that really well. And, and there is definitely an ecosystem that can exist within Zach Robinson's offense that incorporates all of those guys, as well as one of neighbors or Odunze. I don't think both of them will be on the board. So it's kind of a, 
whoever makes it to number eight. Well, I guess maybe one, maybe both of them could be on the board, but I'd, I'd kind of be shocked. I feel like we're going to get two wide receivers within the top six anyways with Arizona, with the Chargers, with the Giants, and then, uh, of course, with the, with the Titans as well at number seven, needing a wide receiver. So it's hard for me to believe that only one wide receiver goes within that stretch. I think we're getting at least two. So they would kind of have to settle for whichever one is left for them at number eight. But settling also just feels like the wrong word because of how talented those guys are. So on the offensive side of things, I, I think that that is the direction that they could go if they want to hit wide receiver. And then the other three picks are along the defensive line. I think Byron Murphy, the second, the interior defensive lineman from Texas, uh, crazy athlete. We're going to see that at the combine. He's going to test very, very well. And he might not even be able to really show off his best strength, which is his strength. He, he has crazy power despite having the long arms. He is somebody who can absolutely bench press offensive linemen straight off them. He's got a great first step for good one gap ability as a pass rusher, uh, really stout as a run defender, can handle those double team blocks at just 305, 308 pounds, whatever he's going to land in with the combine. But I think he's super impressive. So if you want to go into your defensive line, he's the guy you go with. And then I think there's two edge rushers that they will consider. For as much as I love Laatu Latu from UCLA, I don't know if the NFL is going to be as hot on him because he measured in in Mobile at the Senior Bowl with 13th percentile arm length. So he's got short arms for an edge rusher. And I just don't think he's going to test very well. I think he's going to be like a 50th percentile athlete at best at the combine. There's going to be some drills where I think he's going to be much less, maybe in the 20s, 30s, 30th percentile. So that might scare teams a little bit, despite him having incredible production at UCLA. So instead, I look at Jared Verse from Florida State, the edge rusher there, and then Dallas Turner, the edge rusher from Alabama. Those are the two other selections that I would say the Falcons probably have on their radar to get better at pass rush, which I really think they need to do. So um, all in all, I think Malik Neighbors, Romo Dunze, um, uh, Byron Murphy II, Dallas Turner, and Jared Verse are the five non-quarterback players that if the Falcons are staying at eight and they don't want a quarterback at that spot, that's who they'd look at. Okay. Well, I think you you mostly covered it there, but I guess my follow-up is, are there any players that aren't necessarily getting that top 10 buzz? Maybe they're not necessarily Falcon fits, but are there some guys that you think are currently being slept on at this point in time that over the course of this process, as we often see, uh, you know, it's, you know, us in the media, I guess you could say, mm -hmm. uh, catching up to what the NFL is doing, right? That's basically the pre-draft process is we're just trying to figure out like where the NFL teams are at. Um, so it's not as if guys are really rising up the boards. It's just like, we, it just takes us a little bit longer th to catch on. Mm -hmm. But is there maybe some other players that aren't not necessarily getting that top 10 love that at least maybe in your assessment are worthy of, of being that high a pick? Yeah, well, I think from kind of the first part of your question, us figuring out players who maybe we didn't have as locks in the top 10 that might end up being top 10 picks. Two guys from Alabama, cornerback Terry on Arnold, uh, who could be CB1 off the board, I, I think could be a top 10 pick. And for a while, you, you go through mock draft exercises, you got Arnold kind of coming off the board, like early 20s, maybe late teens. But now I, I, it really feels like the league is much higher on him than that. And he could end up being a top 10 pick. And then his teammate on the other side of the ball is JC Latham, their right tackle. Uh, I think that, you know, Joe Alt is my offensive tackle one. And I think for a long time, people have debated between him and, Olu Fashanu from uh, from Penn State, and I, 
I still like Fashanu, but I think the league is is really worried about how well he can play with power. And that was consistently an area over the last two years where he has struggled. I like Talise Fuaga a lot from Oregon State. I think the league does as well. But with shorter arms, with you know not as long of kick slides, you know, is are half the team's going to think that he's a guard and not a tackle? So is that not going to kind of bump him down the boards a little bit? And then the other guy that the guy that I think is rising in response to that is Latham, who is a six foot six, 360 pound right tackle, who is a mauler in the run game, but also really nice in pass protection as well. He, he is not just carrying all that weight and it's just totally unnecessary weight. Like he uses it well. He moves very well. He's got really quick feet for a guy who's above 350 pounds. I mean, just, I think that the league is higher on him than fans seem to be. And so those are two guys that I think uh, the league is a little bit higher on that we're going to catch up on a little bit outside of McCarthy because I think McCarthy is now becoming one as well. But um, as a player who I really like that I don't think he's getting top 10 love and I don't think he's going to go in the top 10 is Cooper DeGene, the cornerback from from Iowa. I think he's awesome, man. I really do. Like I, I gave Cooper DeGene an all-pro grade, you know, because so you'll, you'll hear people talk about their grading system. You know, it's it's like – First round pick, you know, late first, early second, second round, late second, early third, third round, fourth round, fifth round, like things like that. But when you get into that first round category, sometimes you have to be able to separate the guys who are even better. And so, like, I've got categories that'll go to, okay, all pro grade. So it's even better than a first round grade. It's somebody who I think has all pro potential. And then, you know, you got generational talent at the very top if a guy, you know, grades out as basically a perfect player. And I, and I gave Cooper DeGene an all-pro label, man. I think that he can really be a major difference maker at the NFL level, at outside corner, at slot, and at safety. And I feel like he has rare versatility in that regard, and it starts because he is one of the best run-defending defensive backs, mainly corners, that, that you're ever going to find. And from there, he's got really nice athleticism. He's got good strength. You know, He hasn't played as much press as you'd want, but I think he can learn it. So that would be the other part of the question of who I'm higher on than it seems like the league is. I'm curious because I had a conversation recently with some Falcon fans about Cooper DeGene. And someone brought up the idea, especially now with Raheem Morris in Atlanta, if he could play maybe that Jalen Ramsey role for the Falcons. I'm just curious. What are your thoughts on that? No, 100%. And that's something I brought up. I think back in November on the podcast, like when I watched this guy play that versatility that he had, it made me think of Jalen Ramsey. And it's, it's, and I, I've kind of, I haven't been super vocal, but again, like I said it on the podcast and everything, but it's hard to compare a guy who hasn't played in the league yet to Jalen Ramsey because mm-hmm. Jalen is just such a unique football player and such an impactful fo- football player. But you talk about potential. Yes. You know, that's why I was so excited about Ramsey going to Miami with Fangio because I thought Fangio was going to give him a little bit more flexibility to basically be a chess piece, right? I looked at what they did in the draft last year. Miami drafted Cam Smith. And so in theory, when all of their guys were healthy, if the best scenario that week in that matchup was Ramsey playing outside an outside wide receiver, because he's their best option. You could do that. If it was a slot guy, you could do that. If you wanted him more at safety, you could do that. And I feel as though that can be what Cooper DeGene is. So I think Raheem Morris would be fantastic with a player like that. I don't think he goes number eight just because it doesn't seem like he's getting that kind of hype, but I agree with you 100% uh, him having that kind of a versatility like that. He's not built in the same way that Kyle Hamilton is, and Kyle Hamilton's more of like a 
slot box or safety defender. So instead of like more of a linebacker, you're moving to Gene as more of an outside guy, but like think about the impact Kyle Hamilton had because that Mike McDonald defense stayed so fluid with where they were lining him up on not just a game by game basis, but sometimes play to play and drive to drive. I think the Gene kind of has that similar versatility to him. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, by the time we get to April, maybe Cooper DeGene is getting some of that buzz. Um, and uh, we'll say, hey, you heard it here first. Um, there you go. Offense. But, um, you know, we obsess about round one. But, you know, there's other rounds in the NFL draft. And I want to pick Trevor's brain on maybe some day two targets that he likes for potential fits for the Atlanta Falcons. And we'll do that to wrap up today's Locked On Falcons. You know, you're probably sitting there watching the, the big game this past week and thinking, you know, why couldn't I be there? And, you know, obviously getting tickets to that event is is pretty tough, right? But, you know, game time is finding it easy and fast. Ways to buy tickets to the sports, comedy, music, and theater near you. And whether you're thinking of going the day of or planning this thing months in advance, you don't you don't want to worry about where you're going to get your tickets. And game time is there for you. They have killer last-minute deals, all-in prices. That means you're not going to get hit with hidden fees. See the view from your seat before you buy so that you know what to expect when you arrive. And don't forget Game Time's guarantee where you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, they'll credit you 110% the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On, and you'll get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guarantee so wrapping up today's locked on falcons here with trevor sykema pff nfl stock exchange you know one of the things that a lot of people talk about when it comes to assessing you know day two and, and later round picks is like the depth of various positions right you know part of that calculus is sort of weighing okay you know looking at player x versus player y in round one but one of them plays a position that's much deeper in the upcoming draft and you can be like, well, we'll take player X because we can get another player that plays player Y's position that is not quite as good, but pretty good in round two or later. So, you know, we talked a little bit about wide receivers, edge rushers um, for the Falcons in round one, particularly at those spots. Are there any sort of day two guys that you think may be worth waiting on for the Atlanta Falcons? Yeah, no, if... if they're in a good spot. They really are because this draft is deep at the positions that the Falcons could address. I think through the first couple of days and obviously, you know, the end of the Calvin Ridley trade is kind of coming up here with, you know, whether or not he signs a contract extension, you know, whether that increases the draft pick that they get from the Jacksonville Jaguars, whether it's a second or a third round pick. And so like that kind of goes into the equation. They're going to have an additional day two pick somewhere in there. And, yeah, I think that there's a lot of guys that they can uh, that they can go with. You know, I I think Roman Wilson from Michigan is would be a really nice deep threat type of a player for them to get. Um, I think that Xavier Worthy from Texas, kind of that same thing, a deep threat player for them. Jermaine Burton, the wide receiver from Alabama, is somebody who I am pretty dang high on. After watching him on film, I do, I do not think that he's getting enough love in this draft class. I think a lot of other players now like. He's a he's a bit of a hothead sometimes, you know. I think that that's kind of just his character, but like he's fiery, man. He's competitive. Like it's just 
And if you can channel that, you you need those kinds of players in your team. So anyways, don't want to go off too far off path, but like those are a handful of receivers that I think would be great for them. Um, yeah, I like A.D. Mitchell. I like um, Xavier Leggett, but you kind of have a, a little bit of that already in Drake London. I don't know if redundancy would kind of go into it. I wonder if they lean more towards, like I said, a Xavier Worthy type. Uh, maybe if you get if Troy Franklin from Oregon can make it there, I think that he would be an option for you as well. A Tez Walker, if you really want a guy who can stretch the field vertically, I think he's got really good vertical ability. Just got to catch the football better. Unfortunately, we saw that in Mobile. But you know, when you go to edge rushers as well, yeah, I think that you know Gabriel Murphy from UCLA. He is um, Latu Latu's teammate there i think that he is somebody who probably like round three ish you could get and he could be a really nice pass rusher for you a rotational guy and jonah ellis from utah also somebody who's got fantastic work with his hands he's got two brothers who already play in the nfl so he's got nfl bloodlines to him i believe his dad played in the nfl as well so i i i do think that no matter what round you're looking at second third you can get an impact wide receiver or edge rusher now that's not to say you'd pass on some of those elite guys that are at the very top but the Falcons can stand to have one of the best draft halls in the NFL this year because their needs and the things that we would like to see them check off for draft weekend line up pretty well for a lot of the depth at those positions for what we're going to see upcoming on draft weekend. Yeah. Uh, Caden Ellis plays for the Atlanta Falcons. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I totally forgot that he's yeah. right there with the Falcons. Yeah. 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 So- yeah, that that brotherly love, I, I guess you could say, uh, would work. Now, I thought it was interesting that you mentioned Byron Murphy as a potential round one fit because one of the things I've looked at with the Falcons is looking at the D tackle spot. Given the ages of Grady Jarrett and David Onyemata, maybe they have to start preparing for life after those guys since they're getting up there in years. It's a similar conversation for the Falcons at offensive tackle with Jake Matthews getting up there in years. Are there some players that are maybe some day two guys that you could see the Falcons plugging in at either one of those spots uh, potentially? Yeah, I think that, you know, it's, it's always tough to get contributing offensive linemen late. It's, it's kind of like free agency, right? They just, they don't really hit the market, right? The great, the guys that are really going to be starting. It's not like it can't happen, but a lot of those guys, especially at offensive tackle, those 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 starting caliber guys, they'd be they'd be more first rounders. But there, I mean, there's a handful of players along the offensive line that yes, you could start, especially the the interior offensive line that you might be able to get those guys to have some guard tackle flexibility. So I think that that is an option. But I hone more in on the interior defensive line because I think that's more of a sweet spot. You know, Braden Fisk from Florida State proved that he was one of the quickest dudes off the ball that we saw in Mobile at the Senior Bowl and. I think that you could see that through the second half of his tape. He was at Western Michigan for his entire career uh, leading up until 2023 when he transferred over to Florida State. It took him a little bit of time, probably the first four or five weeks, to get acclimated to to, to, F, to ACC play, I should say. And um, really after that, I feel like he went on a tear, and I think that he showed that at the Senior Bowl. So he's a super confident, like, one-gap pass-rushing interior defensive lineman. So I definitely like him. Um, Chris Jenkins Jr. from Michigan Okay, so maybe he doesn't have the pass rush profile, but I think his nickname is the Mutant uh, at, uh, at at Michigan. And that is one of the best strength and conditioning programs in the country. And so for you to have this nickname because of how strong and how quick you are, uh, that is really, really saying something for them to call you that there at that program. So he's somebody who I think can be a really nice interior defensive lineman. He can give you maybe a little bit of pass rush, but most importantly, 
set the line of scrimmage for you, give you that two-gap ability. I like Brandon Dorless from Oregon as well. He's interesting to me, though, because I think he's more of an interior defensive lineman. I think that's what his style of play and his strengths lean more towards. But in Mobile, he showed up lighter, like he wanted to be a edge player, like he wanted to be a 3-4 defensive end. And I think he was somewhere around 277, 278. And it's like, okay, well, if you're going to be 278, you can't play interior defensive line. It just doesn't happen. There's, there's not a lot of guys who are able to do that. And so he's kind of going the wrong direction, but I think if he gains a little bit more weight, you know, he plays more in the low two nineties. I think he could be a pretty solid um, interior defensive lineman. Uh, and then obviously like, if you want a guy like Tavondre sweat, he's like 380 pounds. If you want just like an absolute hulking nose tackle in there, I think you could probably pick him in the second round as well. Okay. Well, Trevor, I appreciate you joining us and sharing your insights into this draft. We gave a lot of names, a lot of people to to keep an eye on. I'm so behind in my draft prep at, at this point in time. So like, okay, just add a couple more names to the list of, of guys I got to catch up on, but let the people know uh, what you're working on over at PFF as well as what's upcoming for you and Connor on NFL stock exchange. Yeah, sure. Uh, we, like I said earlier in the show, we've got the official PFF draft guide coming out in a couple of weeks. Now uh, it's going to be the first edition of the, uh, of the draft guide. We'll have an updated version of it after the combine and after free agency. And then we'll probably have a final edition of it as well a couple weeks leading up to the draft well i shouldn't say final because then we revise it after the draft is over and we actually give some uh some grades on how teams went so that's going to be coming up over the next couple of months getting you through the draft and then the stock exchange podcast yeah just doing a lot of different mock drafts a lot of final rankings taking a lot of your questions for um you know what each team should do we're obviously very plugged into how that community is uh is talking and what you guys want to hear on that channel but uh, we're having a lot of fun over there so obviously after your listeners listen to this fantastic podcast we'd love for you to come hang out with the uh with us over at the stock exchange show absolutely well worth your time guys